Assalamu alaikum. Just some admin to go through before we get into the episode. So I've just been looking at some of the statistics. A lot of you are listening on Google Chrome, so on your desktop, basically. Uh, if you're one of those people, perhaps the best way to get uh, the listening experience is just do it on your phone and uh, download an app, Podbean, Apple, Apple iTunes. There's also Google Podcast, uh, Spotify, etc. Uh, you can uh, download all the shows for free on the uh, one of these and you can subscribe, you can like, etc. Uh, you don't have to log on to your desktop and listen via the website, for example. You can, of, of course, do that if that suits, but uh, the best way to do it is probably get an app. So um, if you're not already on an app, that's probably the best way to go. Um, also, we're expanding the team, uh, so I'm going to introduce Izzet later on in the show, inshallah. Uh, he's out in Malaysia, and he'll be coming on a lot more in future. And yeah, it's, it just adds to what we offer. Uh, we've obviously got Rob as well, who's doing the race overviews, if you haven't already listened. Um, so yeah, um, that's uh, good news, alhamdulillah. Um, and also, we've got on uh, Farouk, he talks about all things to do with Audaxes. So he's a keen Audaxer. Uh, he does them almost weekly. <laughs> okay, no, not weekly, but every other month or so. Uh, and these are rides two, three, four, five hundred kilometers long. And he goes into uh, what it takes to do them, what it takes to train for them, etc. So it's well worth the listen. Over to you, Farouk. Assalamu alaikum. Welcome to the Gapped Podcast. We have today Farouk. How are you doing? Alhamdulillah. Wa alaikum assalam, Junaid. I'm fine. I'm doing well. Thank you. How about yourself? Alhamdulillah. Uh, the eve, or rather, two days away from Ride London. It's going to be a big one. Uh, you're coming down. When, when are you coming down? Uh, tomorrow, inshallah. So, Saturday night, there's uh, a few, managed to round up a few Bristol boys. So, it's going to be probably about half a dozen of us coming over. So, should be good. Good to see all the brothers. Uh, looking forward to it. I've uh, had to adapt my training a little bit. Obviously, we've come on to talk about all Dacks and all points north, I think. Yeah, yeah. But, um, I know I need to get a bit of pace in my legs after the longer rides that I've been doing. So, I've been putting in some fast ones recently just to uh, kind of mainly work on my my handling and my skills riding in in packs and stuff you know because it's a completely different ball game when it comes to riding long distances and all the axes so yeah absolutely sure I'll be ready for it yeah, yeah you're staying local as well it should be good uh, how many you got coming down with you from bristol uh, we've got six guys six two, two cars coming down actually so yeah should be good so i've got some company for this one so should be great Brilliant. Uh, so just uh, start by telling us about yourself, uh, how you got into riding, how it how it developed, and then eventually how you got into audaxing. So uh, I used to ride when I was younger, uh, coming up to my teens, then you have, have other interests. Um, I'd moved uh, quite recently, when my daughter was young, I'd moved up north. I was living up in, in Manchester. Uh, quite a demanding job. I wasn't doing much exercise. I used to play quite a lot of football previous to that. But um, obvious weight gain comes on, you know, eating out takeaways and stuff. So uh, I bought a bike from eBay. It was like a, a hybrid bike, 60 quid or something like that. Uh, and I used that just to, not with the aim of losing weight, but just to get a bit more active because I had a long commute to go to work and uh, work and back. So 
um, getting on the bike just to keep moving. Uh, I had a class uh, down the road, about five miles down the road in Burnley. I used to live just north of Manchester. So I used to go to the mosque class um, twice a week. Um, kept that bike, came back to Bristol, cut a long story short, came back to Bristol, used that to take my daughter to nursery, ended up that bike, um, the crank broke on it or something, and the bike shop said it was basically a cat you write off. Um, he said, it's going to cost you more to fix than the bike's worth, so you might as well get another one. So I invested a little bit because I was enjoying riding. Um, I invested a bit of money. I got a bike on Cycle to Work scheme. Um, and I signed up for London to Paris, uh, the charity with, well, now they're called Al-Iman. I can't remember now, actually, what they used to be called. Al-Ikhwan. Al-Ikhwan, yeah, with Al-Ikhwan <laughs> and Abdul Mukid. And, um, yeah, started riding, getting ready for that. So I met another brother from Bristol called Imam Kazi. Uh, he was a neighbour of my parents, actually, and he used to have his parents live in Bath. So... We used to ride from Bristol to Bath is a, a cycle track um, there quite regularly every Sunday. Uh, Farouk, um, is that the one we did coming out of Bristol or was that something yeah, different? Yeah, that's right. Oh, is that yeah, the one? No, no, that's the one, yeah. So okay. we only did the first quarter of it, but yeah, um, yeah. it was on for another probably 10 miles or so. Okay, okay, interesting. Yeah, it's, um, yeah, it's completely off the road, so it's a good place just to, to learn the skills of riding again and try to get fit away from traffic and stuff, so... Um, got ready for the ride, did London to Paris, and by coincidence, um, Abu Tamim, uh, like, is he head or founder of Bob? Yeah, he, he's one of the founders, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. one of the founders, yeah. He he was a support driver for the actual LTP. So on the last day when we were in Paris, we had a chat, and I said to him, um, you need to get these Bob's, Bob guys down to Bristol. We've got some great scenery down our way, and we've got, Cheddar Gorge as well. So uh, let's make a plan and try to organize some kind of event. So um, I think it was in 2017, I called you guys over um, and we had a ride from Pensford to um, Cheddar Gorge and back, put a nice juicy route in, a couple of nice climbs in there. And uh, I think that's where the main journey carried on from then onwards. The fitness just uh, built from there and then uh, moved on to to riding longer distances and then um, doing a bit of gravel as well, doing a bit of hill climbs. So I tried to mix it up just to try to keep it fun, to be honest. So that's kind of how it's developed. Originally from the charity ride and then just uh, from there developing developing the community down in Bristol, we managed to get a few friends on board and they've got their friends on board. So we've got quite um, quite a, a, a nice nice community of riders here, nice uh, quite a few guys yeah, absolutely alhamdulillah I really like what you've done in Bristol um, I like that you keep it fresh keep the challenges coming for the new brothers and mm-hmm. you uplift them and you have the evenings and stuff uh, that's really good uh, yeah. we don't have that social aspect here in East London it's, mm-hmm. it's like head down choose them yeah. and we yeah. go home you know what I mean but yeah. it's changing it's changing but yeah. Uh, yeah we've got a good strong social element so um everyone's welcome is you know we've we've got different levels of riders different abilities so we try to cater for everyone alhamdulillah absolutely and uh <clears throat> with uh london to paris uh it's interesting because a lot of riders actually get into cycling via some sort of charity um mm-hmm. especially on the brother side uh, i'm not sure on the sister's side uh, mm-hmm. But brothers like you know Abutamim, uh, so many like uh, mm-hmm. come in via Aliman, 
or HMK mm-hmm. or Team MC now. And then they develop their riding from there. So that charity mm-hmm. aspect is really, really good in terms of getting yeah, people yeah, into the riding, you know? I, th- I think it's, it's part of the camaraderie that you build and the brotherhood that, that stems from not knowing people, you're spending a few days together, you've got a goal and you're kind of struggling towards that goal together. Mm-hmm. Um, that, that, that relationship that you build, I think, is, is quite key. And then making that friendship is great. And then you kind of transfer that back into your own community and it's, it's brilliant. Like, how many people I've got to know, which I would only say salam dua to them, you know, just say hi, hi in the street to them. But you end up spending hours and hours together on the road together on the bikes, and it's uh, it's great, just a great way of networking as well. So, yeah, from from the charity aspect, I think it does build a, a lot of confidence as well, just meeting new people and taking that on. So, uh, how did you get into a Nordex, and uh, what was your first one? Yeah, so um, I had an injury. I got knocked off my bike um, in twenty seventeen. No, twenty sixteen. After I landed to Paris, a couple of months after, I had an accident. I got knocked off a car cut in front of me and I landed quite badly on my hip. I was off work for a couple of months. So during that time, I was um, I had a lot of time. I was at home. I couldn't do much. I was on painkillers. So I was scrolling on YouTube and I saw a couple of YouTubers on the, a couple of videos on YouTube from a guy, a local guy, actually, from Bristol called uh, Adam Watkins. And he's uh, big into his Audaxes, and there was a bond there because he's local. He spoke like I did, and you know he was he was riding, and his video started in a local area for Bristol and places which I recognised. And he rode for a club called Audax Club Bristol. So um, followed his videos, and uh, I did a bit of Google and a bit of Facebook, and I found that they did a, a Wednesday social ride. So it's like. 40k 25 30 miles or so uh in the evening so when i got well enough and i was ready to get back on the bike i joined up with them and again just like a welcoming community there um speak to a couple of guys on the ride and they said look just um dip your toe in try a 100k or try a 200k so either a 63 or 125 mile mile all decks and see how you get on so um I think it was in the following February. So I had my accident in September. I think I joined one of their club rides in the November, a couple of months after um, uh, it got gotten better. And in the February of 2017, that's when I did an Audex called Malmesbury Mash. It started in Cardiff Gate. Mm. I drove across on my own in the morning, um, not knowing anyone there, and uh, got my brevet card. Um, and got on my merry way, uh, started the route, uh, joined up with some people. And the beauty of Audax is, is there's always people that you're going to ride with or you're not going to ride with. You kind of meet up with people of a similar pace to you. They might stop at a cafe stop or they might carry on riding with you. You know, you might stop. So there's an ebb and flow to an Audax, which is brilliant. So you get to know people. Oh, are you local or how far have you come for this one? Have you done this one before? Or, you know, you get an idea of their experience levels and you can kind of just <coughs> build a conversation just as you're riding, which is brilliant. So uh, I did this uh, Malmesbury Mash Audax and by chance, actually, the 
organizer of the Ordags is the organizer of the Brian Chapman ride, which I think we're going to talk a little bit about later on, which is yeah. my most recent, my most recent one. So that all Brian Chapman Ordax is quite a well-known Ordax in in the Ordax world in the UK. And um, he said to me after I finished, because I finished in, in a time limit and stuff, and I was quite pleased with myself. He said, look, you've done really well today. You should uh, you should go for the Brian Chapman, the 600-kilometre Aldax. And I laughed at it, and I said, <laughs> I've just about managed to, to make it at the end of this one. My legs are fried, and I don't think I'm ready. How long was that first one? So that one was a 200K, okay. so 100, yeah, yeah. 125 miles it was. And uh, I made it within the time limit, but it was towards the end of the time limit. You'd call it a full value Ordax because you've you've used the full 13 hours, I think it is, for for that. Yeah. As I was just getting used to to riding and pacing and stuff, you yeah, that's kind of the main key with Ordax and is just getting your pace right. But um, yeah, he suggested that I I, I do the 600, um, which I thought was absolutely crazy. Um, but I, I think it might have just planted a seed in my mind is that, you know, uh, it could be possible. It gave me a little bit of confidence by just saying that maybe I should go for it. And uh, I kept that kept that in the back of my mind after afterwards. So, yeah, that was my journey into it. So a few YouTube videos and uh, just taking the plunge, really going on the Waldax website. They've got uh, useful guides online as well. How to get into Aldax is calendar events. So organized events which happen on weekends. You can do permanent events, um, which are throughout the year. You can pick and choose a date whenever you want to do it. You can get a, a brevet card as well and do a DIY. So you pick your own route and um, do whatever distance you fancy just with control points that you're going to pass through. And as long as you make it in through the actual time period, then you're, then you're golden. So, so yeah, that was that was my routine really, just just via that. So you've mentioned like brevet card. You've mentioned all that. We're, we're talking all things Aldex, but uh, what is an Aldex? So an Aldex um, and brevet card and the rest of it. Yeah, 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 yeah. An Aldex, I think, is I don't know the technical translation word meaning for it but uh, I think it's just basically a long distance long distance cycling so um, but it's, it's via a, like a selected route which you'll need to ride through selected control points um, and you'll have time periods to complete this so you'll have a total time period to complete the route and you'll have a time periods within that to ride through selected control points. At those control points, they might be manned and they might be have someone there to stamp your card to prove, uh, to give you proof of passage, or there might be um, an information control. So there might be, uh, I've had a, an information control, uh, what is the date of the church in so-and-so village? So you ride through and then there'll be a church there and you'll see the date of the church written on you know the notice board yeah. uh, uh, right opposite the church so you get an idea that, that that's what the answer is so you know either you write it down then and there or you keep it in your mind and then when you get a chance to stop later on you can um, write it down so it's it's not just it, it's unsupported so it's not uh, you've got your own 
schedule to keep so you can you know you can stop when you want you can you know put push on as much as you want you know is is all up to you really so the the key is um just making it around with the time inside the time limit uh making sure your card is stamped uh and then your brevet card like i was just saying is it's just a card which indicates where your control points are and yeah. they've got boxes in there where you put your answers to your info controls and get stamps I love the fact that you get a brevet card and you can keep it as a memento. I've never done that's an Audax, right. but that's, that's one right, of the yeah. draws for me, you know, uh, having yeah, a brevet card, like a, yeah, yeah, like a trophy, physical, I guess. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, You've got something to take home with you at the end of it to, to prove you've done something. So, yeah, it's, it's quite cool in that sense. Uh, do, uh, I've seen on like the website, like, like I said, I've never done an Audax, but um, mm. The, the magic of an Audax has definitely rubbed off on me and I'd love to do one eventually. But yeah, there's something should. about the rondelles which are associated with Audaxes as well. Is Have you collected yeah. a few? Yeah, I've got, um, <coughs> I did initially, I've not, I've, you need to kind of, uh, I think some organisers have some at the end for you which you can purchase. So I think I've got a 200, 300, um, I've not got a 400 yet and I will purchase a 600 now because I've done a 600. So, um, but I need a bag actually to put them on because you can buy, buy the actual roundels, but they, they look great on a, an old Paradise, which is a Paradise saddlebag. Uh, it's kind of one of the, the pieces of kit, which, you know, an Aldax, you know, they're an Aldax. So if they've got a Paradise bag uh, strapped to their um, saddle pack. So yeah, I'd, uh, I need to get a bag, I think, to put them on. You know, I, uh, it's funny you mentioned that because, um when i first started cycling uh i didn't really see many riders out very very few in fact and right. uh it was my first ever ride uh, or my first century rather i was with Abu Tamim and we were doing uh so my first century was brighton and back and it was horrific okay. uh, yeah. i was a proper noob back then you know um mm. and i was literally just sat on his tail going uh snail's pace well actually we we did a decent pace but i literally sat on his tail uh, yeah. didn't know what I was doing anyway yeah. so we're coming up uh, from Brighton so we've done Ditchton Beacon we've descended into Brighton now we're coming back out of Brighton so anyone mm -hmm. who's done London to Brighton you know after Ditchton Beacon you've got about 10 miles of descent oh uh, it's a nice descent I've done yeah it absolutely but coming back is horrific and especially okay. as a noob you've got 70 miles in the leg and it's your first century and basically we're crawling up and I just remember uh like i said i hadn't seen many cyclists up until that point i just remember an old old man maybe in his 60s yeah. riding past us smiling away just he's got <laughs> a old school steel bike full mud guards and he had yeah. he had a uh, full length <laughs> mud flaps as well in fact his mud yeah. flaps would scrape on the floor that's how long they were and in my wow. mind until this day like i have that hope that when i'm 60 i'll be just like him yeah bashing yeah, out all that like when i think of an audax rider i think of someone like him you know like old school yeah has the carriage bag with the rondelles with the mud flaps mud guards yeah. all the rest of it you know you do see some inspirational characters when you're out there and you you know they've got a lot of miles in their legs yeah you see the size of their legs number one and number two, you know that they're very, very experienced in this game. And it is a completely different game to riding a chain gang or a pace line. It's, it's, it's amazing to, 
to see their strength and especially in their age as well that they can manage to do such distances it isn't inspiring really yeah and I've, i feel exactly the same you wish that uh you'd still have those beans when you're when you're that age as well when you're older yeah yeah and uh with uh audex like it's actually not that big here in london um mm-hmm. I, i understand i've read and seen that it's quite a big scene here in the uk but in london it's not that big i think bristol is quite big for it though right yeah we've got we've got a fair few organizers here who are very active um there's a couple of guys a guy called will and a guy called paul um that i know of and um they've got a good reputation of putting on good events so i think a lot of people come from all over to to take part in their audaxes and i'm i feel quite lucky that it's actually on my doorstep and i've got to know them quite well as well so um whenever there's an event and uh, i'm thinking of doing it and they always give me a bit of encouragement uh give me some tips and stuff of what to look out for and uh what climbs there are which i need to be careful of and and pace and stuff so yeah we've got a lot of events happening from from bristol especially so um yeah it's it's a good scene here especially it's, it's uh, what's the most coveted or most uh, famous uh, audex here in the uk is it london edinburgh yeah, london, london london edinburgh london yeah that's um, coming up this year inshallah i'm going to be taking part in that one oh you did so, it yeah Yeah, I've entered into it. So it's in August, beginning of August, inshallah. So, um, yeah. So you're calling this proper pack then? Yeah, I've got a busy, I'm going properly long this year. So at the same time as um, doing uh, Brian Chapman, which I've just done recently, then I'm doing, there's something else called a Randoner Around the Year Award, which you can do, which is okay. uh, 200 kilometers every month for 12 months so have you done jan feb march april have you done all yeah, of them yeah so yeah i started wow. i started in november yeah okay uh, last year um so i've got the winter months out of the way which are usually most, yeah the most difficult ones so i've um yeah it's quite difficult actually just to try to um squeeze them in amongst other family commitments and other events and stuff that you've got going on so uh especially just this ramzan was beginning of the month to the end of the month um yeah it worked out that i only had one day which i could do the oh yeah months. you did it you did it the day before ramzan started. Yeah, so yeah, the, first, the first of april um ramzan started on the second so i only had the first of april to actually get it done so uh i booked a day off and we'll leave to make sure i could <laughs> it done brilliant mate brilliant yeah, i managed to do it and it was a great route actually it went quite smoothly as well so um i'm glad i uh i managed to get that one done but yeah trying to get it get them all squeezed in has been a bit of a challenge especially february march and april um something came up in february so i had to do that one on the last weekend um then the middle of march i managed to do one with a couple of bobs actually local guys uh answer from from here he joined me on that one um it's good to see him being encouraged to do longer distances and he's always up for a for a big day out and um that was in the middle of the month and then uh, april the first was was um, the april one that i did so i did about three 200s in the space of four or five weeks so um yeah that got my legs really really ready <laughs> to be honest so uh, what do you get after the after you complete this challenge 
Or is it just uh, like a badge of honor, really? Yeah, I think it is. I think you get a place on a website somewhere. Your name gets put on a website, so on the yeah. old X website. But yeah, it's just uh, people do it year on year. I think there's like yeah. people have done it for ten years in a row, and uh, they've get they get an award for that, or just a notoriety on the website of being a person who's done it x amount of years five years six years ten years so yeah it's interesting my i have a friend called mark he's uh, mm -hmm. based in leicester he's done you know strava has those regular challenges like 160 or it used to be 160 kilometers i think they've made it easier but something like yeah. you complete 120 kilometers the grand fondo challenge every month basically and he completed that about Hello? yeah he completed that about six seven years in a row oh, i think i lost you hello yeah 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 i can hear you yeah yeah so basically yeah, he's he's completed the grand fondo challenges i think six or seven years in a row like every yeah. single month and uh he's managed uh strava actually recognized that and sent him i can't remember what they sent him but they sent him some swag in the post which was oh, awesome yeah, yeah. absolutely uh, <laughs> so it's good you're doing it uh it would be cool if you got some sort of badge or something for a, uh, with the yeah, fasted 500 and all the others I'm not 100% sure if you get anything physically for it, yeah, but yeah, yeah. I do know that you might get, I think, you know, there's a, a three-monthly, well, a quarterly magazine, uh, Audax magazine. Once you become a member of the Audax UK, I think it's about 20, 20 quid for the year. Um, you get a magazine four times a year, and within that, there's um, an updated, uh, like, awards thing sure. in towards the back pages. So, yeah, you might get a name in that, so... I'll be pretty pleased to see that in there. So the biggest August Audax rather here is London, Edinburgh, London. The yeah, biggest, London, Edinburgh. The biggest yeah. in the world is Paris, Brest, Paris, that's right? Fine. Yeah, yeah, that's right. So that happens. It's like the World Cup happens every four years, I think it is. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you have to qualify for that event by becoming a super randonneur, which is riding within a calendar year, which. The, in the Audax world starts from um, October, I think it is, uh, a 200, a 400, uh, and a six, a three, sorry, I missed out, 200, 300, a 400, and a 600 kilometer ride. Um, and then that qualifies you to be able to do Paris Press Barris um, when it's that year. So you need to have, have those rides done within the year previous to be able to qualify to do it um, in in that year when it comes up. So, uh, yeah, it's it's a challenging ride. I think it's 1,400 kilometres wow. within, within a set time limit. Um, maybe it's something that I might go for in the future. Yeah, you think um, about it, yeah. Yeah, it's just I'm taking one ride at a time and, I, uh, and, and seeing how I get on. The love is still there for the long distances, so if it carries on after... Uh, LEL, then maybe it might be something which I want to try and try and go make a goal in the future and show obviously. What drives you to do these long distances? Because hours yeah. in the saddle is, is is fun, but at the same time, it's very difficult and it's very painful as well. You know, yeah, it's a, you know, it's it's a it's a challenge. I think you know anything worth doing is never easy. I. I say in my book, you know, if it was easy, then everybody would be doing it, you know. So I try to push myself and push my boundaries and push my limits and see how I how I manage on these these long distances and these rides. So um, 
the motivation I think is just to to see how I can if if it's possible if I'm able to do it sometimes you you you're successful sometimes you'll struggle sometimes you might even fail but from from those struggles and from those fails there's always something which you learn um and I think you learn a lot not just about how to ride or the situation that you're in but I think you learn a lot about yourself as well and you kind of develop some kind of resilience I think from being in tough situations you know like uh, in the more in the Brian Chapman it wasn't smooth sailing I did have a bit of a wobble uh during that ride but I've I've learned from it that you know there's you you have a hardship and you know there's a Quran ayah as well that says uh, after uh, when there's hardship then uh, ease is isn't it yeah. so uh you know there's there's a lot to learn so I think there's that the motivation comes from being put into positions which are difficult but you know there is also a, a reward that comes from it afterwards so it's always striving striving for that yeah. and it's, it's it's a great buzz as well you know once you once you finish and you've had something which has been challenging and you managed to get to the end of it uh, in one piece is is great and then so, you read all those Strava comments as well. Oh, yeah, of course, man. It's, <laughs> it's the kudos is what you're chasing, isn't it? <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. So what are your highlights? Like You've done quite a few now, mashallah. Uh, which, ones, yeah. which ones are your highlights or what, what parts of them are your highlights? Yeah, I think I didn't think about this question a bit. It's, uh, you know, my first one, actually, that was... That was quite nerve-wracking, going into a new environment, um, doing something different, which I'd not done before, pushing myself beyond, because I'd done maybe one or two centuries before that, but pushing myself to do a longer distance um, on my own. That was uh, a great um, relief. No, I wouldn't say relief, but like it was a highlight for me to to manage that and to be successful in that. I was quite happy to to get around that. Um, that was that was one, and I think my most recent one doing the Brian Chapman, um, where it was actually suggested in that first one that I should go for it, and that five years later actually I did see Richie, the organizer again. He was at the control point in uh, at Menai, at the northernmost point of Wales, and he he remembered me, which was really really nice for him to say, I remember you from from Arms Remash. Oh, yeah. uh, five years ago so it was a great we had a nice little catch-up at that point and uh, um, yeah so that one ticking that off my bucket list was uh, was was really sweet so that was one of my highlights so far and hopefully inshallah there'll be some more highlights as well inshallah. so you've just done the Brian Chapman where, where yeah. literally last week tell us about that yeah how, how Brian, long was that yeah the Brian Chapman was uh, 600k from from Chepstow in the south of Wales to, that's just yeah so from from Chepstow to Bank well Menai is just next to Bangor in the north of Wales and then back again so riding through uh, the Brecon Beacons and then through Snowdonia Mount National Park and then uh, having a quick stop at the north uh, at Menai and then coming back it's basically the route you just come from so back again through Snowdonia and the Breckens and stuff. So it was um, the longest ride that I've done. I've done a couple of 500s, 
but um, pushing that extra um, probably four or five hours of riding up to 600 was new territory for me. Um, and uh, it's a buzz, man. It's a buzz really at the beginning of knowing, um, of not knowing uh, how you're going to get on. You know, you've got yeah. the pacing strategy. You hear so many things of not going out too hard. You've got a long day, day and a half, two days of riding near enough. Um, you know, uh, you're thinking on the bike, am I going too fast? You know, there's a group ahead. Should I push on a bit to try and catch them? Or, you know, there's uh, so many things go through your head on these big, big days. But, um, you know, if when it all clicks, um, then it is you can't describe how it feels. It's it's brilliant. You know, it's a really big rush, for, especially when you're coming in after you've done um, the majority of the ride, and you know you're going to be able to finish it. Is um, you can't describe it. It's brilliant, a brilliant feeling. But yeah, Wales is fantastic. It really is riding. I think you've done a bit of riding in Wales as well. Yeah, you? yeah. So we rode from the bottom to the top as well at that time. Um, okay. Joined us for a bit at the start. That was. Once you get to Snowdonia, mm-hmm. the views are absolutely incredible. Yeah. And we're yeah. very fortunate yeah. to ride across the northern coast for most of it as well. That was stunning. Oh, nice. Yeah. Nice. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah, we went through um, Snowdonia as well, Penny Pass by Clamberis. And um, that was a big climb. That was a hard climb for me, actually. I was um, struggling a little bit there. I think maybe my pacing earlier on in the day was a bit too hot. And the weather was actually really warm so i think i i was a little bit cooked on the descent after that um the petrol station couldn't come soon enough the one that we stopped at um but then we had menai and the rest stopped there uh which i managed to rest for 20 30 minutes i'd actually told the guys that i was riding with that look um i don't think i'm going to be able to carry on like i said i had a wobble and these things happen but i think i just needed a bit of time just to calm everything down i i don't know if i'd eaten too quickly or i had a bit of heartburn or something but i just wasn't feeling right at that point and i said to the guys i was with that you know you guys carry on um i'm going to try and rest for a little bit um i'll put my head down for about half an hour 40 minutes i spoke to richie at that point after um and he said to me there's uh, another route which you can go which covers it back you back into the control point um but it's a little bit easier it's a little bit more of a quieter flatter route mm. rather than the other other route that the other guys have gone on so i followed his advice and i made it back to the youth hostel where the other guys were and um yeah it was great to see them and they were really really pleased to see me because the last they saw of me was me saying <laughs> oh i'm gonna fail i'm gonna you know I'm, i don't think i'm gonna carry on you go uh, for a lot of emotions during the long distance right don't you yeah as in, yeah, as in, in know, general not, uh, not uh, you specifically but yeah, just uh, yeah uh, no it's true you do go there's lots of ups and downs but you know there's more ups than there are downs and you just got to realize that when there is a down it is gonna turn around you know it's not just going to be you know um uh really difficult or you're going to struggle you know it kind of does flip itself as soon as quickly as you feel down you can you feel right as rain again so i was really like i said i was in a mindset that look i'm i'm done i can't do any more now but after half an hour, you know, freshened up a little bit, 
could jump back on the bike. I I did a, I think I did about a four hour stint uh, in the dark from midnight to four o'clock in the morning to the hostel, and um, I was I was in a good mood. I was in a good place the whole way the whole way along. I put a podcast in. I think it was one of your podcasts. I was catching up on actually, and um, yeah, and I was I was great. I was I was golden when I got there. So. Okay. Yeah, you do. You do go through a lot of emotions when you're when you're riding, but you know if they are bad, they do turn around. So you you just mentioned there you cycled through the night, and uh, just for uh, listeners, you also mm. did. Uh, you often you didn't just do it last this year. You did it uh, a few times yeah. now. You've done fasted five hundred in one go, basically uh, via yeah. Nordex. So what's it like riding through the night through hills, pitch black, often? um yeah, yeah what's that like yes yeah, it's, it's it's different yeah the roads are quieter uh i've i've got a dynamo set up now on my bike which takes a lot of anxiety out of riding through the night you've got good okay. visibility you're not worried about batteries you know you can have your light on and you're not thinking about you know, putting it on on a high beam and then the battery being drained or this or that. They're really good pieces of kit, useful if you are going to do a lot of night riding. But the beauty of night riding is it's just kind of you and yourself on the road. Is Especially Audax routes, they're designed to maximise the, the terrain and the, the roads that you do have. So, you know, you'll be on quieter B roads during the daytime yeah. and you might be on faster A roads during the night or, you know, gritted roads, you know, like bus bus lanes and bus bus routes and stuff, yeah, which yeah. are going to be great, especially in the winter. Um, so, you know, you feel kind of uh, in a safe place and especially if you're in a group as well, then that's even more, um, uh, you feel even more comfortable doing that. But yeah, you, you kind of get into a groove and you tick away the kilometres as you're riding. So you set yourself smaller goals. Um, I need to get to this point by this time. Uh, as soon as I got to there, you know, you got a little bit of a rest or whatever. Um, you know, you can have a little bit of a stop whenever you need. If you're feeling tired and, you, you know, you stop at a 24-hour garage and have a coffee or something like that. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's, not, it's kind of casual. It's not too stressful do you know what i mean is some people might be worried is so many different things that can happen and especially in in the dark you just kind of got to be a little bit prepared more prepared so you know you might carry a torch with you a spare torch as a backup you can use to you know help you fix your puncture or something if you had a puncture in the night you know so um yeah there's 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 not too much difference in skill which you need to ride in the night it's just riding but just in the dark basically <laughs> yeah no fair enough it's just I, i'm more worried about all points north and we'll go into it later on but um mm. i'm sure there's going to be a minute or two descents where we're going 30 potentially 40 miles per hour uh, yeah. you don't know where you're going bends etc etc you know what i mean in absolute yeah, yeah. pitch pitch black uh, yeah going to scare the crap out of me these type of situations you just got to take it steady and make sure you're in control of the situation i think um if you are going in a situation like you describe you know just ease off a little bit um be in control you know and uh uh yeah not not worry too much about it i think is uh you know you, you like i said like how you feel you can feel bad and 
you know, you, you can turn it around and you feel good after. It's the same with, with riding at night. You know, if anything does happen, you can sort yourself out and, you know, use your, use your use whatever you've got around you. If you're riding with someone else and you can double up next to each other, ride next to each other and just open up the lights a little bit more and you can, it makes it a little bit easier. You'll be a bit more confident, I think. Yeah, and uh, the other thing that scares me is like the fact that you we hit potholes all the time during the day what's mm. going to stop you during the night you know what i mean and then you've got the punctures yeah. or the sudden jolts etc mm-hmm. so yeah i'm just mm-hmm. super cautious about that as well you know yeah yeah no we, i think we'll be all right yeah if it's a couple of us together we're riding as a pair aren't we so whatever issues that we do come across we can kind of deal with it together i think yeah, yeah. So during these rides, then Audax's uh, long distance runs. What are you eating during the ride? I, I imagine it's not just gels throughout. Oh no, no, no. I think it, I, what I eat now, I think it's come from. Uh, I, I think I'm, it comes from a lot of experimenting. You know, you, you. The more you ride, the more you can kind of test what works for you. So um, uh, I've tried sports nutrition, and I've tried gels and i've tried bars and stuff like that but when you've got longer days in the saddle your kind of body craves craves just eating normal food really i keep it as solid as i can so um what i've kind of settled down to is you can get like um uh, individually wrapped uh, crepes and pana chocolates they're they're wrapped in plastic individually so i kind of have a couple of those, well, a fair few of those in my in my saddlebag. Um, for to snack on, I've got a favourite of fruit pastels now. Fruit pastels really do give me an energy buzz whenever I need it, if I am feeling a bit low on sugar. Um, those are pretty good. Uh, bananas, obviously, uh, for the good carbs. Yeah. They're, they're brilliant. Um, yeah, there's... Uh, and you're, you're kind of... With the Audax, whenever you reach a control, there is usually some kind of food place nearby there. Okay. And the distance usually in in a spot where you would want to kind of sit down and have a have a coffee and have a pastry or or eat something more substantial. So yeah, that's the beauty of the Audax is a kind of there the stops are where you kind of want them to be, where if you're riding at a relaxed pace if you know what i mean yeah yeah so absolutely if you're riding a lot faster you're kind of want you want your nutrition on point all the time audaxes are more about pacing so you can kind of pace yourself and not have to rely on instant energy you you know you can eat more more difficultly digestible foods but because you're not going as fast it's kind of it, it goes down all right and you'll stop at a cafe where you can have a bit of a sit down, but you still have plenty of time in your time limit if you're going at um, a, a good enough pace beforehand. So, so yeah, it's a combination of mainly like whole foods, to be honest. I do yeah. carry a gel with me as an emergency, yeah. Um, but yeah, I don't regularly now take them. So, uh, how is, so you're riding yeah. two, three, four hundred miles. How is your setup mm. different from, say, your chain gang rides to uh, the Audex rides? So, so I've got um, a dedicated bike, which is it's kind of my all-rounder bike, really, is um, a steel bike, uh, Genesis Quadifer. 
as uh, a 2012 I bought secondhand, and it's kind of like Trigger's broom, you could call it. It's had all the parts changed on it. Now I've done uh, so many miles on it. It's been updated. Uh, the levers on there, the cranks there, the derailers and stuff. But it's uh, it's actually running one by at the moment. And um, are you uh, keeping 42... one by for all point self as well? Yeah, I am. Yeah. Oh, wow. I, what front yeah. chain ring are you running? So I've got a 42 on there. And, and I've on got the rear? Uh, rear, I've got a 32. So it got Oh, me... you're going to struggle there, no? No, I, well, I got around the 600 okay without stopping or having okay. too much issue. My, my legs were fine when it came to that. So um, I think I can manage that gear. All right, because I've done a fair, fair few bigger rides on um, my fixed gear bike, and that was on a, a, um, a different ratio as well. Yeah, so, yeah. Um, yeah, so I think I'm going to stick with the 42. Okay, that's my thing. But yeah, the the steel bike is brilliant. I really, really enjoy riding that bike. Uh, the Genesis. <coughs> Why uh, steel? I find a lot steel, of people I, have steel, and I have yeah, one as well, which is actually really it's, nice. It's but... comfortable. It's comfortable. Really, is uh, it's a cruise line now. Honestly, people talk about steel bikes, and um, you know they might be heavy or whatever. It is. There is a bit of a penalty that it is heavy. But you get paid, repaid back in just on the comfort of that bike. Once it's up to speed, it really does just cruise along, and uh, you munch the miles away without even feeling too much discomfort. So, so yeah, it's uh, it's a brilliant bike. So, in terms of like your geometry, is it for, uh, like higher up than your LA, yeah. or is it? Yeah, yeah, I've got um, I've got some riser bars on there, so they kind of um, they where they sit on the actual. Um, uh, stem they kind of rise up a little bit so yeah, there's yeah. probably about, I think about 10 or 15 mil of rise on it um, I've got a tried and tested saddle which I've been using for the past four or five years which doesn't give me any pain uh, I've got some bibs which are which are good for me as well which I've experimented with um, and yeah they, that kind of just works you know I've not got any I've had a bike fit just recently actually my first one in five years and um, there was not much not much of a tweak to be done not, not many tweaks were done on it I think my my positioning was was fairly set uh, on that bike there was a few few different changes on my on my fast bike, on my um, my summer bike, but for my Audax bike, it was kind of kind of already in a in a good place. So yeah, yeah, yeah that's just from from adjusting here and there on the fly and just working out what feels comfortable for me. So so yeah. So with your Dynamo, you got one fitted recently, haven't you? Yeah, yeah, that's right. Yeah. And uh, so does that charge on the go as well, or is it just the front light? As in, yeah, so, do you have so a power now, bank with it? No, no, it's just a front light on this one. So you okay. can get a dynamos, which uh, you have uh, a port on there, which you can charge like a, a battery, a power pack, and then you can charge other devices off that. But this is just uh, um, strictly for the front and rear light. So, yeah, like I said, it takes away any lighting anxiety you might have. Um, and it's a good spread and it's a good powerful beam on it. So, um yeah, it works well. It works well for the for the night rides. Fair enough. And uh, what tires are you running? So I've got that that actual um, Dynamo setup is on a six fifty B wheel, 
uh, and okay. I'm running 650Bs GP5000s. Oh, really? They're very, yeah, they're very rare cars. I managed to source a set on uh, eBay. And um, yeah, they're really nice tires. They roll really well, actually. I'm quite pleased with them. 25C, um, a little bit of a firmer ride, but yeah, it's, uh, it, it rolls well. Rolls really nice. well. So with these long distance uh, Audaxes, you're doing three, four, 500 miles. Obviously, you uh-huh. can't cover that in a day sometimes. What are you doing yeah. for sleep? Are you sleeping rough or finding hotels? No, no. Um, so uh, with this... Uh, uh, the Brian Chapman ride, there was actually a youth hostel which was put on by the organisers. So you need to kind of pace your, your riding so you reach your, the youth hostel uh, at a, a decent time uh, with enough time in hand that you can actually have a bit of rest there. So that was quite handy to 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 have on that ride. But on my the most recent festive 500 ride, which I did, um I didn't book anything um and I'd just see how I'd get on where I'd end up and if I was close to civilization you could say then I would find somewhere to to rest uh like you know just book a premier in or something just walk yeah, in yeah. but um uh it was wet on that ride and it just kind of made sense to keep moving and keep riding um, I got into, because the route was north from Bristol up towards Manchester, and we stopped at Crewe and then took a left into Wales. And there was a control point in mid Wales. And that's where I started actually feeling quite tired. So uh, I managed to find a spot to just to put my head down for 20 minutes. Uh, and then I got up again and I started riding until the end of the ride. So there is a bit of a sleep deprivation element to the ride but as long as you know what your limits are that you're not falling asleep whilst you're riding and you just say right that's enough now I can you know and you really do need to stop and rest Uh, once you know when when that point is you're kind of you're kind of all right so and you can find somewhere just to to close your eyes for a little bit and that kind of just works for me just 20 minute power nap uh, just kind of resets and and uh, you feel good. Well, I feel I feel good anyway to to go again for another few few hours, 100k, another 150k, something like that. Yeah, absolutely. So, um, just for the listeners, how do you get into an Audex then? So um, the website is brilliant. Uh, website is Audex uh, UK. Um, on there, there's some useful guides on how to get into Audex, and there's calendar events and you can search by your region and by um distances and stuff as well um i i just did exactly that when i first started was to see which one i was which weekend i was available and which one was local to me and uh i just went for it really and like i said the scene is so welcoming and um they really like i said the the camaraderie that you get from it uh on the start line everyone wants to to do well and have a good day out on the bike as well. And you're doing the same thing, trying to achieve the same goal. So uh, it's, it's a really great scene to get into. So the website is the main thing to to kind of um, direct yourself towards to, to get into it. So then uh, just finishing off with uh, the Audax scene before we go into All Points North, for the mm-hmm. listeners then, any tips or tricks you have 
uh, mm-hmm. to get into long distance riding? Uh, I think initially you want to kind of build up your distances. Um, and it's like I said, experimenting is, is quite key, you know, just seeing what works kit wise, um, nutritionally, like food wise, what's, what, what kind of works for you. Uh, pacing is key. Pacing is the main thing. A lot of people, they, they've got average speeds in their heads that they want to hit and, you know, they want to make sure that the uploads to Strava or showing X, Y, Z speeds. And, you know, you've got to settle down into a pace which you're comfortable with to do all day if you're going to be riding an all day or an all dax, which a 200 initially is going to be an all day all dax. So you've got to know pace when you need food and how your body is feeling and what you need to do if it's feeling a certain way. So yeah, building up your distances, uh, adjusting things on your setup, like you know, position wise, I used to get certain pains on my neck and on my shoulders and stuff. And mm-hmm. you know, you you'd make just adjustments on the bike just to to compensate for that to to sort those things out. Um, yeah, doing that, doing those things, and um, I think a good thing is is just to remove all all like external stresses that you've got you know if you're worried about things going on at home you've got to make sure especially for me like with my family and stuff i've got to make sure that the i's are dotted and the t's are crossed you know everything's taken care of i don't want to be getting a phone call whilst i'm out on an all-day ride that you know this i've got a situation that i need to deal with and i'm i can't do is is you really need to be in a position where you're going to be where you know you're going to be riding all day and people around you know you're going to be doing that um and as long as they know where you are and that you're safe then it shouldn't be too much of an issue but yeah just generally is build up the distances experiment and make sure you're you're confident and comfortable to be riding all day no those are some very good tips and i'll be using them next week inshallah (laughs) Uh, so we got all points north next week uh, not even yeah. next week. Well, it's six days away now. Yeah. Uh, so, oh man, what's what are we looking at? Like six hundred and sixty miles. I've come down. I've I've got it down to. Yeah, thousand k, man. Thousand k is going to be the biggest distance, longest distance for me as well to uh, to to tick off. So, inshallah, yeah, it's going to be a challenge, man. There's no no um, no like beating around the bush. It's going to be it's going to be difficult, but you know, eat good, great things, they don't, aren't easy, you know what I mean? We need to to push your limits and uh, push those boundaries. This is what I'm always trying to get into our Bristol guys as well. And it's not always just about distances and, and whatnot, but, you know, push yourself in different ways, yeah? In, not just in cycling, but outside cycling as well. Absolutely. This, this is a good example of, you know, pushing, going into a new new arena which you're not comfortable in which i'm not comfortable in and seeing how you perform um so yeah so we've got a bit of a game plan um, do we i don't remember no game plan yeah <laughs> well you've done the route and uh we've got an idea of where we're going to stop and stuff and that's only on day of- one the rest of it is like 
yeah it's a, <laughs> take okay. the take the punches as they come you know yeah that's it exactly man you, you don't know what's gonna what's gonna be thrown at us so we just need to be able to adapt to whatever situation we come to you know what i mean so uh yeah we'll see how we get on inshallah we'll uh just sit on the bike and pedal and just keep pedaling that's, that's <laughs> i think that's what the plan's gonna be it sounds like a plan sounds so simple <laughs> So uh, with um, with a with a journey like that, a thousand kilometers, what what are we carrying um, that mm. might be useful for the listeners? So, so uh, obviously, we're carrying uh, what we're wearing. We're carrying a saddlebag, a huge saddlebag, mm. rather. So um, it's not your conventional saddlebag. It's the ones that are six, seven, eight, nine liters big. Uh, mm-hmm. which will then hold a change of clothes, probably two changes. I'm going to probably carry two changes of clothes. Yeah. Um, and then I said I'd probably carry a huge pump, uh, yeah. a few inner tubes, a few patches, some mm-hmm. lube, because obviously if it rains and the bike gets yeah. mucky and whatnot, I'll probably bring some wipes as well so we can wipe the bike down if need be. Uh, sure. So lube, uh, a few tools, uh, mostly mm-hmm. adding keys, really. Uh, yeah. What else am I bringing? Plenty of food, uh, a huge top tube bag. I'll be running a whole, huge top tube bag full of food. Uh, mm-hmm. And that's probably it, I think. Yeah, are you taking any um, like uh, powders or anything like that? Like, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Carb powder mm-hmm. and whatnot. Um, probably a few. But I imagine we'll be stopping regularly and I'll just fit up with a Lucasaid or something. Um, yeah, yeah. That's so, the same job, yeah. Yeah, yeah that's, that's what I'm really. There's not much difference, really. I think layering is going to be important. If it's going to be got... cold. Have you, have you seen the forecast? It looks like it'll be like six, seven degrees at times. Yeah, so um, an insulated jacket would be handy. If you've got a full-on waterproof jacket as well, that would be very useful because... We're in the north, and you know it's it's quite quite likely it might be might be wet up there as well. So um, that's what well, there's two extra things I'll, I'll for sure be be taking with me. But I might actually take I mentioned to you as well before I might actually take an extra tire with me. And this it sounds strange, but within the Audax community, they do they are fully self sufficient. When it comes to even stuff like that, and especially because I'm running a 650B tire, it's not like I can go to a shop, like a local bike shop. I don't know. They might have one, but yeah, I want to, if I do get a slash or something, which isn't repairable by just a tube or a patch or whatever on the inside, then um, yeah, I might I might have that with me to take. But um, yeah, overshoes, you know, gloves. Yeah, like I said, kit is going to be one of the limiting factors in you completing it. If you haven't got the right kit with you, then you are going to struggle when it comes to being too cold. You're going to want to ride harder to try and stay warm. And then if you've not got enough food, then you're going to struggle with actually keeping your engine warm, keeping yourself warm. So, yeah, if you've got good kit, then that really does help on these types of rides. You've got me thinking there now. I, I want to skimp on kit only because we're climbing, what, 40,000 th- feet, which is more yeah. than an Everest, which is absolutely yeah. stupid. 
Yeah. Stupid Farouk. I don't know why we've signed up, but that's a discussion <laughs> you know, for another time. But I, I want to skimp on kit, you know? Like No, listen, you know, you know, these things, they're all about confidence. Yeah. You've got to be in a positive mindset and have positive vibes and positive thoughts around you. If you think about things being difficult and things scenarios playing out and stuff, make sure you're prepared as much as you can be and just everything else is in Allah's hands is Allah. Yeah. So I try to be in a in a good mindset. If I'm in a positive mindset, then I know, you know, I can do as best as I can. If I'm feeling, oh, you know, this is going to be difficult. Or, you know, sometimes I don't check the weather forecast before a ride. Really? Because I know, yeah, because I know if if it's going to be wet, I'll make sure if it's, if I know it's going to rain, I'm going to have my kit with me, yeah? But if I know it's going to be windy or if I know it's going to be this, then it's going to play on the back of my mind. On my garm, on my wahoo, sorry, I don't have a garment. On my wahoo, I don't have I don't have the speed on there. I just have the map of where I'm going. But if I look at the speed, I'm gonna think, oh, I, I could push on a bit more and get it up a mile an hour or whatever. I just want to concentrate on getting to where I need to be uh, at a certain time because those are my goals. My goals aren't to to hit a, a certain mile per hour or kilometer per hour. So um, those mindset mindset goals mindset. Is, is kind of key for me to make sure I'm in, in the right mindset. So whatever will be, will be. You know, getting to the first, getting to the start line, is is the first uh, major hurdle. Once you've got to the start line, yeah, you've already won. You've already done done the biggest challenge of the whole ride. <laughs> yeah, uh, that's something I need to work on. The mindset, I think. You know. <laughs> yeah, we'll do it together, man. We've got uh, three, four days to work on it <laughs> together. <laughs> Inshallah. So um, we can go into it, uh, but we've already gone on so long and there's a ton of listener questions. So okay. uh, perhaps we'll go into those first. Um, so uh, Zishan asks, uh, uh, and he's probably right here, doesn't your butt hurt after such a long ride? And uh, mm-hmm. which body part gives you the most problems? Uh, is it the back, knee or neck? And uh, in fact, I, I want to take some tips from you as well, like, my backside, mm. man, it takes a beating, bro. Yeah, yeah. Backside beating, <laughs> it, you know, it takes a little bit of conditioning, to be honest. And that comes just from riding long distances. If you've got a good set of pads, you know, chamois, chamois pads, uh, I think you'll be fine. Um, in and out of the saddle when you're riding, always vary your position. You know, even if it's, it's flat ground, just jump out of the saddle and do a few pedal strokes just to get a bit of blood flow around that area. Uh, we had a really long descent on Brian Chapman. I think yeah. it was it was like 10 or 15K. We were just descending for ages. And that was the most painful part of the actual ride, I think, was just being sat down for so long. Um, being, yeah, getting, getting out of the saddle, I think, um, and walking around, especially, or when you do stop, that kind of helps just to get a bit more blood flow in your legs in, in different places. So if it's feeling numb, I think then doing those things helps. But if you're getting sores, then you need to think about chamois creams and stuff like that to see what works for you. Yeah, Sakib asks kind of the same things. How do you prefer for a long distance? And then he adds, 
what do you do with soreness and discomfort so yeah yeah, yeah. just just to do that for on on the backside down there but Soreness and discomfort. I think it, I I did one old X and a two hundred. I remember into the Cotswolds, and uh, purposefully I I was stretching at every control and every stop. I was, you know, stretching hamstrings and stretching glutes and stretching everything. And I did feel a lot lot um, fresher throughout the whole ride. So that's a a little tip as well to to keep doing that. Just when you do stop. Um, to just to, to kind of stretch for a few minutes, and only a couple of stretches will will just keep everything nice and uh, nimble, nimble, nice and nimble as well. Yeah, yeah, fair enough. And then Jay asks, so he's talking about your famous London to Paris trip. He asks, yeah. uh, are you still getting your power from the King Prawn Biryani? <laughs> Jay Allen, yeah. Yes, of course. Yeah, Jay is a legend. Yeah. Jay's a great guy, man. I remember we made friends straight away on that ride, and uh, I would still drop him a message every now and again just to see how he's getting on. But yeah, we uh, everyone stopped. I think it was in Felixstowe, and uh, me and Jay said, "Look, let's go and get some food together." So we found a Bengali restaurant just local around the corner from our hotel, and we sat down and had a dinner date together, and it was brilliant. We yeah he's a top guy but yeah i think it is i think it must be the prawns um they worked they worked wonders yeah and it's still working yeah I'm still doing. working i think so <laughs> uh, so uh, this is a good question um and uh one i think about a lot actually so fatima asks why all point north all points north and uh what makes you do this craziness and how do you plan routes to complete something like this Mm. Why all points north? I think it was. Was it your idea? I think it was. Yeah, uh, it wasn't my idea. It was your idea, mate. So you can uh, answer that question, really, to be honest. But... Uh, so f- for me, it's a little bit personal, as in I'm sure you have your own reasons, but for me, like, mm. um, I'm sold on the romance of uh, the, uh, what's it called? The transcontinental ride. Yeah, yeah. And, okay. Uh, that's it. Yeah, but the, to be honest, I, I don't like the newer versions. I, I'm still sold on the original, you know, the London to Istanbul. You Istanbul, know, yeah, yeah, a, yeah. Across the whole continent, starting a, in a home city and uh, uh-huh. obviously going to Istanbul, which is uh, obviously very, very Mega. cool for us as well. You know what I mean? So, yeah, yeah. Um, I think that one still remains like the iconic trip. Obviously, Hajj, uh, riding to Hajj and all of that. Oh, oh, yeah. that, that, that seems too, too much, however. You know, like Istanbul, it seems it seems within reach, I guess. So yeah. anyway, uh, Transcontinental remains like the pinnacle of long-distance cycling. And uh, <laughs> obviously, I'm, I'm never going to just go into that. And I probably will never do it, but I thought... Never say never. No, I'm saying never, mate. <laughs> <laughs> My butt's saying never, yeah? Um, no, I, said, I said never on Brian Chapman when Richie suggested it to me. I, don't, I said, I don't think I'll be able to do that. And, you know, it took me a few years, but, you know, I had a pathway to it which was to build up my distances and alhamdulillah I did it last week so you know yeah never say never you never know what you're capable of and that's an, another thing you kind of realize from from doing these long distances you don't put a limit on what you can do and you can reach whatever you think you can uh, anyway <laughs> so like i said that that one's a, a long distance dream um, and and then i saw this this right you know it's it's 
I wouldn't say it's local, but it's uh, in England. Obviously, there's tons of long distance rides, but they all start abroad and whatnot, including the transcontinental yeah. now, which starts often in Belgium. Uh, so, yeah. you know, it's, it's kind of localish and it's, it's a middle distance, you know, like it's probably one of yeah. the shorter distances actually for the road. Uh, mm-hmm. You do get like 500 kilometer mm-hmm. races and stuff, but they're like mountain bike races and whatnot. So I thought, you know, it's a, yeah. it's a cool, cool thing to do as well, because you've got 10 points, you have to make your own route. Uh, you kind of, it, it really is self-supported and it is a stepping stone towards uh, eventually doing trans, well, like I said, I'm never going to do it, but like it's, it's, it's a way of, um, you know, testing yourself yeah, uh, w- without yeah. absolutely killing yourself. And there's always ways to get home as well. Like uh, if things do go wrong, you know, you can just sure. jump on the train again and then just call it a day. Uh, yeah. A hint, hint. <laughs> no don't even no listen mindset again don't even think go thinking about that you know what i mean you just want to keep on pushing on and seeing where you can get to we should uh we should we should be all right man i, I have that mindset we're going to be riding for for three days at least and um just one pedal stroke after the other that's it yeah and uh, just going into uh planning the route so I've taken that one, um, but you're free to do so as well, Farouk, to be honest. But uh, it's just looking at Strava heat maps. um, Just obviously it's such a long distance. You want to cut the distance as much as possible. So if you see a route that goes a bit zigzaggy and you see one that goes literally straight, um, perhaps Uh Strava algorithms take you over the zigzaggy route. Perhaps it's uh, more, I don't know, more scenic or something, but... Uh, in times like this, we're mm. not here to see the scenery or at least like uh, minimal. No. Like, we're going to see absolute tons of scenery anyway. So it's like take the close, shortest yeah. route, you know. Uh, so that's all it is yeah. really. Just looking at what people have done in Strava and just creating the yeah. shortest route really. That's that's what it is, Fatima. Yeah. So. For, yeah, for Audaxes, I think uh, yeah, they tried and tested routes from from previous, previous rides and stuff. Uh, I mentioned earlier like um the routes are designed for rider safety more than anything else oh yeah 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 so i think um that's where the audax routes come from yeah and then uh so zahir has a ton of questions um so i'm i'm thinking this is personal to him but he he says do you have any tips to stop overthinking big big rides yeah um it's splitting up your longer distances into manageable chunks I think uh, you know if you're doing a 100k ride and you know make it up get to your 50k then you're halfway you know and then move on and then you've done your 100k if you're doing the uh, 200 then split it up now you've got to do 100k that's about four hours riding you know split that up again into 50k chunks and then four chunks later, you've done your 200K. So it's um, splitting up, uh, not not getting into, uh, spiraling into bad thoughts, like just keeping positive vibes. And I know Zaheer personally, and he's a upbeat kind of chap. So yeah. I think he just not, yeah, try not to overthink it. Is uh, He doesn't want to overthink. And yeah, don't overthink it. It's just one pedal stroke after another if you come up to any hurdle 
just deal with it and move on to the next, you know? Absolutely, absolutely. Mm-hmm. And uh, I'm guessing this is your bike, but he asks about Jenny. Tell us about Jenny, he says. Yeah, Jenny, the Genesis, yeah. Ah, okay, so yeah, Jenny- yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Jenny, uh, yeah, I think I did talk about it a little bit earlier. But yeah, 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 yeah. Fair enough. Jenny's, Jenny's my wagon, so yeah, <laughs> it's, uh, it's a great bike. And then, uh, okay, f- final question in that case, and then we'll wrap up. We've gone on for a very long time. Um, mm-hmm. uh, mental resilience during a long ride, have you always had it, or is it something you cultivated? It's a good question. Yeah, I think, um, you know, you go through certain situations um where you do feel low and you do feel down or you might have a puncture in the rain or or you might do a night ride which is quite challenging um getting through those uh and getting on to the other side of 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 doing getting getting through that difficulty uh i think it builds some another level of confidence and that helps with with that resilience you know what i mean is yeah yeah, yeah. Uh, you've been put into difficult situations uh you kind of think your way through them and you find a resolution and then once you've you get to the other side it kind of uh gives you another another level of of strength really to to say look oh i've done that before you know i've you know a 100k was difficult i managed to do that you know, you want to push yourself a little bit further and push your boundaries, then that, that resilience builds builds confidence so that you can move on to to other things, bigger things as well. So I think that's where the push to move on to bigger distances. But it's it's not just reaching those 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 landmarks, it's it's more how you feel once you've done those. So my greatest takeaway from the Brian Chapman was. It was a long distance and the longest distance that I've ridden, but I did feel good about it because I felt in a good way when I did finish that ride. I could have finished that ride and been absolutely wasted and completely finished and knackered, but I felt strong towards the end. And I think that's come from all my years of experience, my two, three years of experience. I'm talking like I've got years of experience from my two, three years of doing this longer distance stuff. It's all that I've learned from that, from those years, I've kind of put built into this ride. And, you know, I had a difficult time uh, up at Menai and I overcame that. And then the buzz and feeling strong towards the end and the pacing and everything which led up to towards the end of that ride, I felt good and I felt strong. So that was my my greatest takeaway from from that not just finishing it but just finishing it in in a good way so yeah those difficulties you might have they're all learning experiences and you take them on to um on to future rides to to become stronger absolutely farouk thanks for coming on okay thank you Zappala. no I would, i'll see you tomorrow uh, what are we going to watch <laughs> <laughs> you tell me some fried chicken and pizza, man. No, that sounds good. <laughs> <laughs> Perfect, bro. That's what I like to hear. Okay. Jazakallah. Thanks for having me. Assalamu alaikum. Wa alaikum salam.
FC, thanks for that, bro. That was brilliant. Thank you. Uh, and uh, anyway, guys, uh, as I mentioned at the start of the show, we have a new member joining the team, Izzet, all the way from Malaysia. Just a brief overview on him. He's an avid cyclist. He races also. Uh, he's a tech geek and guru, and he's a qualified mechanic. He learned his trade over in Australia before uh, now going over to KL in Malaysia, where he works day to day in a shop. Uh, he often works with the latest and greatest of tech within the cycling world. He has tons of experience. And uh, I think I've been following him for a long time. And it's, it's definitely worth sharing some of his experiences. And that's why we've got him on. Uh, and in many ways, we're blessed. Um, I'll go into the aims of the GAP project in time, inshallah. Uh, but this is exactly what it's about in many ways, uh, getting other Muslims on and non-Muslims uh, to educate uh, inspire uh, and basically raise the level of the Muslim cycling community here in the UK and uh, across the world if if we ever get that platform. Uh, so that's where Izzet neatly slots into the team. Uh, so going forward, he's going to add uh, basically his own two pence on the subject or talk about uh, anything he's seen in his workshop, uh, either new tech or tech that's just doing really, really well. And uh, he feels like other people should know about it. So yeah, um, over to you, Zed. Okay, yeah, uh, thanks. Uh, thanks, Junaid, um, for the uh, brief introduction. And Salaam Alaikum, everyone. Peace be upon you all. And um, uh, good day, everyone. So um, yes, I, I'm a bicycle mechanic. And um, since we, um, we have talked uh, um, in length about uh, Farouk, who's uh, he, um, greatly involved with um, the the Odex um, event, and um, believe it or not, um, Odex um, is very very popular here in in Malaysia. They do all the distance, 200, 300, 400, I believe, and then it's the 600 600 kilometers, and then the 1,000 kilometer ones. And I do actually know um, um, a friend of mine. Uh, his name is Dr. Azizi. He was, uh, I think, he went to the the previous Paris Brest Paris. I think the the, the last one before all the um, the the pandemic uh, occurred. And um, yes, and then I know a, a couple of people that are actually doing. I think the. The one that's coming up is a London, Birmingham, London, if I'm not mistaken. Um, yeah, you can correct me if I'm wrong. But yes, um, it's it's huge, huge, huge popular uh, here in, in Malaysia, um, the, this Odex uh, events. And um, uh, talking about uh, Odex events, you know, in conjunction to this, you know, I've, I've, I've set up a few a few bikes um, that are... Um, uh, that people actually use them to go for Odex. Um, you know, a couple of different uh, modifications, couple of different um, uh, settings that they would use uh, compared to uh, a normal daily setup that they would use for their normal weekend rides or their weekday rides. Um, and some even have a dedicated uh, bikes that they use to just just solely to do this particular events okay but i guess in in order to just um make things a little bit simple um we'll, we'll just go from top to top to bottom and and from there um um uh, we can just go through a list of things that we can um make things obviously a little bit more comfortable and also make things a little bit that little bit more faster okay all right um we'll go from top to bottom um in terms of Top, as in the rider. We're not, we're just not gonna, we're not just gonna solely focus on the bike. We're just gonna focus on the whole system of the bike, which means you include it includes you as the rider. So as the rider, 
you want to make sure you have the lightest possible gear i'm not you know um you know saying that you should go and buy the lightest and the greatest gears out there uh but yes i mean whatever the lightest stuff you've got the lightest helmet you've got um the more ventilated helmets you've got uh, even if you have like an aero helmet that is that is pretty light uh, have them um because you're always going to be on uh, you know facing the wind by yourself right um, but yeah just make sure that the helmets are light the the apparels are light and keep um as as less keep um keep weight off the body okay like um, a lightweight jersey um a lightweight pair of bibs that does not compromise the thickness of the chamois you want a thick chamois for comfort and also to absorb moisture for that you know that long hours on the saddle okay um you don't wanna you don't wanna fatigue um, all these equipments to fatigue you physiologically don't put backpacks don't put camelbacks behind your back you know don't 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 carry heavy items on your jersey pocket just try to keep all the items as much as possible on on the bike on the on the frame bags or the or the handlebar bag or the saddlebag but you as the rider just make it light as possible you know you don't want to fatigue your neck muscle you know you don't want to you don't want to uh, incur any other physiological demands than you necessarily need to you want to focus on actually the physiological demands of finishing the ultra endurance event um not from carrying a backpack or carrying um i don't know extra tires or whatever on your back pocket right so keep it light so that you don't have any physiological strain on your body okay and then um <clears throat> uh, in terms of um shoes and apparels um obviously you want to you know you want to keep um have a, a light comfortable shoes a light shoes a comfortable shoes um that fits you and then one thing that i would recommend is that you want to bring um this probably ha you, you have to do minor adjustments but you I, I would definitely recommend for people that are just doing steady state riding um whether it's time trial or ultra endurance riding is to bring your cleat as far back as you could possibly can on your cycling shoes Okay, uh, whether it's the correct shoe for you or not, that doesn't matter, but bring the cleat as far back as possible as you can. You want to be pedaling as flat-footed as possible. By having the cleat as far back as possible, you are putting less stress on your calf muscle and less stress on your knee. So that way you, you are less likely to have uh, knee pain. You're less likely to have uh, cramps on your calf and you're less strains on your, on your calf. Um, so that way... Um, you know you're not prone to you know just long hours on the saddle you're not prone to um uh, injuries on your knees so that's that's the last thing you want with with cycling right N injuries on your knee um by doing that you probably have to bring back your saddle you know you definitely need to bring not probably you would definitely have to bring your saddle high, um, a little bit lower because essentially the cleats are the back you are reducing the extension of your of your foot so you have to bring the saddle a little bit lower and potentially a little bit further back depends see how you go um just don't do this a day before the event you know experiment probably a week out okay but yes a lot a lot a lot of benefits by bringing the cleat further back um you know you're a bit more stable uh that way okay so that is you as a as a rider okay um, and then in terms of um, the contact points, okay, we go further down. So contact points, um, obviously stick with whatever saddle that is comfortable. 
um, and then with the um, handlebars, you can double up on the bar tape. You know, simple solution, or you can find like a like a one bar tape that is that is thick. You know, I know um, a few thick bar tapes out there. Um, uh, Sometimes those uh, Silka Nestro Casino. Some people like it. Some people don't. Uh, but it may not feel that comfortable on your hand. But if you compare to more like a something like a squishier foam or something like that. Uh, this Silka Nastro Casino uses uses the PBEX uh, foam. Silka Bar Tape uses the PBEX foam, the same foam that is on the Nike Vaporfly 2. Uh, the shoes that Elliot Kipchoge uses to beat the, the two-hour uh, marathon record, right? Because it's high rebound, high rebound, high highly efficient uh, foam that it doesn't bottoms out um, uh when it hits uh when it hits a bump you know a lot of these squishy bate it feels nice on the handle but when you hit a bump it bottoms out but when you hit another bump it hasn't been able to rebound so you're basically just riding on a bare handlebar whereas the Sil silka most a lot of the silka nastro casino or just the whole silka bar tapes i'm not plugging but <laughs> i'm not plugging a silka bar tapes but um yeah they've they've they've, they've known to be to be to have a high rebound foam so you are actually riding on uh, the bar tip and bouncing off the bar tip rather than you know the bar tip bottoms out and you, you're just riding on your your handlebar which is not going to be very comfortable okay um and then um the frame you know um <clears throat> like i've mentioned early on uh, that people have a dedicated frame I, I personally feel like if you spend a lot of time doing all this ultra endurance stuff it It'll, it'll actually pay you dividend by having a dedicated bicycle frame for it. And when, when I say de dedicated bicycle frame for it, you know, I'm not going, you know, all, all out, going custom mad, you know, just go full custom. I mean, if you can, if you have the means, and obviously custom frames have a huge lead time these days. And you're looking at about, you know, a year. It used to be six months. Nowadays, it's like a, like a year, 18 months kind of thing, you know, a year and a half just to, just to get your frame. But um, if you can get like a decent um, steel frame, like a decent titanium frames, you know, because these are very, um, these are very um, uh, absorbent material, right? Um, um, very absorbent uh, material, unlike your carbon fiber frames, or, uh, aluminium frames, which are, which, which excels in um, um, snappiness, you know, give that instantaneous uh, response when you put the power. Um, but titanium and, and steel uh, don't have that, um, the snappiness of a carbon or aluminum frame. So it is very absorbent, less fatiguing. You know, you can, sometimes you, you've got your fit right, but then you just, you know, your hands just numb. And then sometimes you do have a little bit of, uh, you know, um, tingliness on your, your, your nether regions or your perineum area, just because sometimes the, the frame is just stiff. The frame is just stiff. There's nothing wrong with your fit, but just sometimes the frame is just too stiff despite you've done everything on the contact point side of things, your tire pressure and that sort of stuff. Um, yeah, so um, having a dedicated bicycle frame for it, um, like a steel frame, you don't have to go crazy. You can just buy like something like a Condor, um, uh, probably something like a Ritchie Logic. Um, there's a few out there. You know, you don't have to go full mad and get like a Dario Pegoretti steel frames or a Stalbel uh, steel frames. You don't have to go all that. You can probably just get something like a like a Tinelli. Yeah. Steel frames, you know, steel frames in general are just are just comfortable, okay? Um, steel frames or titanium frames, okay? Um, yeah, so that. And then we'll probably go further down in terms of, you know, um, um, tires. Um, obviously, you want to find 
the fastest tire possible that is reliable. You know, you don't want to be using, you know, Schwabi Pro 1 TT, <laughs> you know. Obviously, it's the fastest tire, but it probably won't last you or when you have a mishap and that sort of stuff. It's not very puncture resistant as well. You don't want to be using a Corsa Speed TLR. You don't want to be using an SOX Turbo Cotton for like, a, you know, 300, 300 kilometer rides or 1,000 kilometer Audax, you know. You, you want to be using a tire that is reliable, you know. Something that probably like a... But at the same time, you don't want to be using like a Schwabi Marathon either, you know, those, those things are bulletproof. <laughs> but, but yeah, use something that is reliable, uh, fast enough, but reliable, you know, because obviously it, a faster tires actually helps you go there a little bit quicker, um, helps you finish the rides a little bit quicker. And then most of the time, they're a little bit lighter and they are, the rolls a little bit smoother. They don't feel as harsh riding it okay um uh probably something on a vittoria range probably something like your vittoria corsa control is good to do um to do like an audax on like an alter endurance riding on um a few other um uh brands out there probably schwabi one instead of pro one or pro one tt um even pro ones are not that bad um uh something like a uh what else i would recommend something a maxis high road is actually pretty good um reasonably fast tires but not too bad gp5000 is okay i know people have hit and miss with it but gp5000 is pretty good tires for it and run as wide as possible like a 30 or 32 or or if you have like a super wide rims probably a 30 or 32 shouldn't be a problem i know there's something like those uh, roval repeat clx even if you're running a 30 it's still pretty aero um run it tubeless uh, if you can um because you can run your correct pressure uh without worrying about uh pinch sliding that a good way um, to to find uh, a tire pressure, you can either go to SRAM website or even a Silka website, uh, Silka Pro Pressure Calculator website, um, where you just need to fill in all the details and then um, you just uh, you get the the correct uh, tire pressure that you should be running. Okay, if you're not comfortable riding tubeless because you just have mishaps, you can run tubes um, or probably something like your or like a like a like a like a latex tubes. Uh, will probably uh, uh, give you the same benefit um, as running a tubeless. But, you know, if you just want to go pure, you know, um, reliable stuff, just go standard black uh, like butyl tubes. And then obviously when it comes to frame bags and that sort of stuff, you know, you can just, you know, I'm not the expert in that. Um, uh, but yeah, these are the things that you could do. Um, that are the things that I have done uh, to help people that are doing these ultra endurance riding um, or decks or, you know, um, other similar events um, like this, okay? So if you are going out to do your ODAX uh, or your ultra endurance riding uh, next, uh, try and try and implement these tips and then you can probably let us know um, how it goes. Um, yeah, so um, uh, enjoy your rides. Um, just make sure you have a, uh, your head's a good space to be in with all this ultra endurance riding and then um, um, have fun. Uh, thanks, Assalamu uh, alaikum, peace be upon you all. Is that thanks for coming on, bro? I really appreciate your insight and uh, your expertise, bro. Um, brilliant stuff. Um, just an update uh, to our listeners. Unfortunately, Farouk took a tumble uh, on the latest uh, ride London yesterday. Um, so the recording obviously happened prior, and uh, so since that's happened, he won't be taking part in the upcoming uh, All Points North. Um, not only was he in an incident, there was quite a few other brothers and uh, potentially, I've not heard of any sisters getting into any incidents, but I know of three brothers 
broken broken bones. So uh, just keep them in their du'a and uh, yeah, uh, speak to you all soon. Inshallah. Assalamualaikum.